Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, Neon, Helium, Xenon, Krypton. Transform and roll out. It's Max from Mono Neon, and I have Roxy Rose on the show. Thank you so much, Roxy, for uh, for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Thank you, Roxy. Yeah, so a lot of the expressions that I got, let's kind of take people back, I suppose, just ever so lightly to maybe sort of what it was to you know, start with glass blowing here by trade. You're sort of an old school neon person. I hate the word old school because it's just, it's another name to put on people. And I feel like you're much more than that. But the, the idea of glass blowing was probably much more conventionally a lot different, but you've been making neon artwork for a long time. You've worked in various settings, um, done a lot of different things. What can you kind of describe as your kind of first foray into neon and maybe kind of allowed you to you know, sort of attach yourself to the, to the craft and, you know, in a, in a way that, you know, people can understand or at least go back far back as you want to. Well, really, there's no first anything when it comes to our family. And when I say our family, it goes back to my grandfather who learned in the late thirties. So there, you know, we were raised around neon. It was, you know, family, religion, and neon. There were, those were the three <laughs> three things in our, our family. And uh, as far as the priority goes, it was kind of hard to differentiate between those three things. Um, but so my grandfather started in the late 30s and then my, my dad learned. And uh, then I started in uh, full time in 78. Uh, but there were, you know, as far as going back in time, I remember being, you know, seven or eight years old and sitting on a wooden milk crate, watching my dad bend walk and don't walk signs all day long. And so that's where it all started. But like I said, I, I entered the trade, dropped out of school and entered the trade when I was 15 and a half. That was 1978. That's incredible. And at a time sort of when that probably wasn't the normal thing to do, I, I suppose, you know, school at that point in time was kind of like what you did is you got to, you know, go get an education and you can always sort of look at things elsewhere, but was it easy for that to happen? Like, did people kind of say, okay, yeah, you, you could do this. Like you're, you're here all the time. You've seen how this works. Is that kind of how it worked out for you or was it different? Uh, no, no. The, the, the way our family worked was, um, you know, there was one religion and uh, one occupation. There was no choices in our family. So it was just given that all the kids and we all did end up working at the, at the company, it was uh, it was just like that, uh, and, and and in some respects that was not very good, uh, but in also, in other respects, it you know it did give me the trade and the art that I do to this day. So I appreciate that part of it. Um, so yeah, and generationally, were there things like within each decade that you could kind of transfer over to sort of help you along the way? I mean, I, I expect a oh, lot of yeah. people that don't really know much about Neon to listen to the show, but a lot of people that sort of do, or maybe have been in for a little while, but don't know about sort of that period of time, uh, from the seventies oh. leading up to the sort of the heyday. I mean, you could call certain periods of time busier, but ultimately yeah. there were challenges, right? Yeah. You know what I, there's a kind of a cliche that I usually say is um, I was uh, neon when neon wasn't cool. Um, back in 78, yeah, you're right. Neon wasn't very cool at that time. It was 
a lot of work and a lot of repetitious um, pieces to, to make. You know, we were working on beer signs and walks and don't walks most of that time. Um, and when the occasional artwork came in, that was just thrilling to me to, you know, get to break off all this other work and the commercial work and do artwork or do studio work. Um, so yeah, so um, during at that time, um, neon really wasn't a cool business or art form. Although we were always appealing to the artists, uh, in general, people really didn't even know what neon was. Yeah, and I would I would even argue still sort of don't. I mean, we I think in terms of you know pushing past the fear of kind of showing people what's behind the curtain. I always talk about that that idea, right? Like you've probably seen stories where clients come in and they're kind of like they lay out something on napkin and then, you know, the designer would sort of laugh at it and say, that's not possible. But oftentimes, you know, you, you come, you put the order and come back and it would just be all done. And, and the idea of showing someone what, how things get made, it was so competitive, the landscape at the time. And I fight against this now because I think it's critical that people actually share these techniques and these ideas of how things were, were, were happening. Even, you know, internationally, there's different methods of, of how to approach neon bending, but this idea of, you know, like I said, breakthroughs in business, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, sharing information and contributing to the, the size of the business. I'm sure that certain family members had skills that other people didn't, right? And so it kind of probably helped in a lot of ways. Like you said, there were probably things that you learned um, through the years that allow you to sort of be the artist that you're doing now, you know, things that you're doing now, you probably go back and look at it. And so, oh yeah, I remember that, or that's helpful now <laughs> or not. <laughs> Absolutely. There's not a day that goes by that when I'm bending in the fires, um, I don't recall something that either my father said or my grandfather said. And, you know, these these words and these techniques stick in your mind forever. It, you know, 40 years later, I'm still listening to my grandfather when I when I'm bending. What, what was like one of the things that you remember, like a fun thing, like it, it doesn't have to be really you know knee deep but like something that you touch on that you're like oh yeah that that's really interesting like I never thought about that in a while is there anything that pops in your head well um you know these days I do a lot of teaching I teach others to bend um, neon and the one thing that um seems to be different with my technique is that I'll actually grab hold nicely I I will take hold of the person opposite me in the fires and I will manipulate their hands to move the same as mine and mm. my grandfather used to do that although he was very stern and his hands were huge and very strong and it wasn't very gentle or nice for him to do that but when he walked by my fires when I was bending sometimes he'd grab hold of my hands and say no do it like this do it like that and I use that same technique although I'm very gentle and it's a little different for me, but I'm very hands-on. Whereas a lot of teachers that instruct me on um, glass blowing, you know, they'll kind of just give you a bench and a set of fires and, you know, make you practice. Whereas, like I said, I'm very hands-on and, you know, I've, I've learned to teach the person through contact. Yeah, I, I love that that sort of way of, of compensating, right? Cause a lot of people they'll introduce neon and they'll kind of let it go. Their one hand would go one way or another. Um, if yes. you never bent neon, it's not only is it 
sort of a gravitational experiment at times, but it, it does rely on a lot of hand and eye coordination beyond just sort of what you're physically able to do, but the, the actual touch of, of something, whether it's going to be a particular bend, a drop bend, or let's say, you know, a moment in time where you're, you know, just drifting into space, it really does help to have that person sort of be able to contribute not only in the physical nature of it, but also just the, the hand moments, the sort of moment to moment contact, right? Um, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's a, it's a lot of feeling. Um, people think that it's only high hand eye contact, but it is a lot of feeling. Well, also like um, your, your rotational, right? Like in like your, your core and even aspects of your back. And so it's so funny, like if somebody gets injured yeah. in the field, right? Like I've talked to vendors, like, you know, I had a, whatever accident and I, I can't, like, it really impacts your, your, your ability to do the actual work, right? On so many levels. Yeah. Well, um, about three weeks ago, I was in uh, the Museum of Neon Art in Glendale and I was uh, teaching for the day. And um, a young lady came in and she actually had cerebral palsy and she was afraid to take instruction from me because of her disability. And I um, talked to her for a little while. She said she had trouble with her right hand, um, not being able to twist the glass. So there's more one, more than one way to bend neon and more than one, uh, one technique. And instead of rotating the glass, Um, I just taught her to raise it above and below, moving it back and forth and then above and below the fires. And that would heat the whole circumference of the bend. And she actually did pretty good with that technique. And that's, and that's, what's revealing too, is that like, you know, you find alternatives, right? I don't think every neon artist has every skill or any attribute. And that's kind of unrealistic expectation too, that like people come up with. And I think that, like you said, is, to the shift between where we're at now with neon, I think that it's so important that people understand that there is a, a showcase of things happening in neon, not just sort of the sign itself where, yes, it is the beautiful ending to the story, but there are a lot of things that, you know, like you said, you can showcase and sort of look at skill wise and just giving her that ability to, you know, spend five minutes of having, you know, a real breakout moment, probably just, you know, releases other things and, I think teaching even at this, you know, the, the, the beginner level is really, um, I think probably just one of the neatest things that I've seen just in neon lately is that a lot of people are not only just contributing to the art form, but they're taking, uh, other responsibilities on just to show people how it's done. And, and it might not be somebody who wants to continue on, but just, you know, always wanted to do it. And that gets people excited. And I think that also spurs on a lot more activity in the, sort of in the, in the sector, if you will. Yeah, I I agree with that 100%. Um, People come into the museum when I'm there uh, instructing on some days and they've never, they've never played with any hot glass ever. And I will take them into the fires and show them how to do a bend or two and let them make a bend or two. And, and then, you know, they're almost hooked at that point. They want to yeah. do more and try more. And also too, I think, you know, it's just so unique. Well, yeah, switching gears, um, you know, in terms of your work, it's always fascinating to me, um, just your ability to, to create a lot of different work. And, 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 you know, even with personal relationships, it seems very personal, but there's also a lot of um, reactionary type work where, you know, you represent the, you know, the LGBT community and um, the transgender artists as well. It's such a unique uh, sort of, I could call it 
you know, reference point, but, you know, there's a lot happening in that space, um, understanding the community, but also bringing your unique take on art. Is there something that connects you with how you feel about neon and kind of what you're able to do with it now versus kind of maybe where you were early in your you know, neon career, if you will? Yeah, that's, that's a huge part of not only my career, but my life. Um, somebody um, on, on the internet was referring to me in a conversation and they referred me referred to me as a trans elder. And I was so proud to be referred to as that. Um, and, uh, you know, all my work, my artwork is all based around love and acceptance and tolerance. And it's, and it all is, it all stems from who I am, uh, being a transgender person. And, um, and I try to convey that with all that I do. And there's a huge space for that today um, in the trans community and the art community. It all just works really well. And, and even including my age, um, you know, I'm almost 60 and um, that just works well as a combination, you know, being a trans elder and an artist and um, being involved in this dying trade uh, as an artist. Um, it, 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 to me, it just, it's just the perfect storm, if you will. Yeah. And, and I think for people too, is sort of, to, I guess you say identifying with someone else in the same space. You know, there are other artists that I've had on the show and I don't discredit anybody. I have a, anyone from any background or any, however they want to identify themselves is really important. Uh, and I make it a real clear fact to have any, you know, and those individuals on the show, because I think it represents a larger majority of people that may want to do this type of work and, you know, says to themselves, well, it's sort of male dominant or this, that, and the other. I don't let the focus go to that because I think it's easy to kind of point the finger. Um, but I think it gives people a lot of understanding and what, what, what's available to them. And if they have a particular personality or they have a way of living and what they want to do and, and understand, you know, how to combine it, <clears throat> anything's possible. And I think, you know, I think it's really important for people to be themselves, you know, especially in our you know, artistic sense, but also, you know, professionally, like we all kind of have similar endeavors. And uh, when you're working at a particular job, you can have a, a disagreement or something that affects your work. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we're kind of all very uh, similarly minded, except, you know, be able to respect out, out of what's happening. And so I like the kind of the performance nature of how the work speaks. I mean, there's a lot happening and, and a lot of conviction. And I mean, you know, some of the, I love the, the Statue of Liberty that you did recently. I believe that was for uh, the Hollywood Palladium. There's an exhibit that you guys had. And, you know, it was, it was really powerful. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of different things happening in the world, but I think you've really touched on something unique, which is, you know, the, sort of the unification of it all, right? Like there's a lot of um, kind of unity, I would say, and you can correct me however you feel about it, but, you know, have you always gone in that direction recently where it's been, you've been able to combine a lot of those ideas and, and make them into kind of sculpture or was it kind of always traditional signage, like was one over the other or have you always combined them that way? Uh, no, it's, it's always been part of me, um, although my family being very religious, um, I wasn't out as trans and, until about uh, 12 years ago. 
Um, but it's always been a part of me, you know, the, uh, in the studio work in Hollywood, where we did a lot of our work, there's a lot of, there's a very large gay community. And I always kind of gravitated to those customers and clients. Um, so like I said, it's, it's always been a part of me though, because of my family and their religion, I haven't been out. And, uh, when I first, uh, transitioned, uh, I was, um, Oh, gosh, I was uh, having a really hard time in the neon business. Um, I lost a lot of my contacts that were in the sign business, which is closely, closely related to the neon business. But it, it, after a period of time, I was accepted by the LGBTQ community and the trans community, obviously. And, um, and there's, a, there's a huge uh, culture of trans and LGBTQ that are into the art side of the neon industry. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of women that are in the um, neon industry now. And they accepted me um, with open arms. And so the ones that did reject me in the sign business, well, you know, we, <laughs> we don't need them, them anyways. <laughs> right. um, no, I'm just kidding. But that's kind of how I feel sometimes, though. Well, but that's, but, but that's the thing is it, it doesn't matter, right? Like there's so much, like I really. feel like the world's abundant, right? Like I want to make that uh, real poignant. Like a lot of artists, a lot of neon artists are in competition with others. It could probably be one of the worst things you could do. And even as a client, you know, I think people forget literally how many people love neon and not, a, and not out of context, but yeah, no one's competing for the same job you are. Like if somebody, another neon shop gets another job, my hat's off to them. I literally yeah. applaud them, even though you're beating me, they are beating you, but you know, I mean, that's what it's about. You know, you have to be able to, to maneuver and um, yeah, just that idea. So, yeah, I mean, I love hearing that idea. Kind of you're like, Oh yeah, you can forget those people. Cause that's the right answer. The right answer is if something's in your way and you're getting muted and you're feeling you know, uncomfortable, you don't need that. And clearly you've made that adjustment and you're winning. So I just wanted to let you know that. I mean, I think it's, it's great what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, You know, uh, there's one thing that I always uh, say um, to myself and sometimes out loud. I just I I try not to do signs anymore. I mean, because when you think about neon, um, it's really an art form. uh, And and to just be, uh, you know, um, in the sign business, even if you're doing neon signs, um, I always tell my customers when they come to me with something that resembles a sign. I, I tell them, okay, in order for me to do this, we're going to start referring to this as an art piece <laughs> because that's, that's emotionally, that's how I get around the idea of not doing signs is every, every job I take on, even if it's, it is or resembles a sign to me, it's an art piece. And so it's been a, it's, for me, it's been a, um, a, a universal transition, not only in my, um, gender but also in the so-called sign in the neon sign business and now is the neon art business and if, as far as i'm concerned yeah and, and i mean it definitely there's a lot of artistic uh dna and a lot of that i mean my thing is that you know a lot of artists spend a lot of time trying to convince other people of what to call it at the end of the day it, if they like it and that's what they identify with it that's that's great but i also respect your your opinion on that as well i think there's a lot of art that goes into it and you clearly can't use it just as a trade i don't think it's that anymore 
but um, sort of this in discussion of what neon is or what sign should be. I mean, clearly at the end of the day, it's, it's different for each person. That's what's so cool. I think the idea, but yeah, there are certain things that are worth uh, you know, expanding upon. And I think things like certain neon makers that do really represent the arts are really important now because they're the ones that are making new things and not just going at it the same oh, way. Oh yeah. You know, we can't yeah, have yeah, a hundred open signs. We can't have a thousand, um, you know. Walks and don't walk signs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're not going to, we're not going to get anywhere with that. Right. Like that's not going right. to wow anybody, but at the end of right. the day, that still serves a purpose. Like that's still going to keep food on the table for somebody. It may not be everyone's bread and butter, but you know, we should do a lot of everything, you know, and, that, yeah. and don't be afraid to, to expand. Like you said on that is, okay, well, you know, we've done it this way, but have we ever thought about doing that way? And I think a lot of those neon shops that do call themselves more kind of artistic um, places uh, really help fill a void that maybe hadn't been there or was there, but now we've got, you know, both parts, like we can do both things. And so, yeah, I love that idea of, of combining those two, you know, do you have like any sort of reaction to the show that you were there, like were people picking up on certain things and they come up to you and were like, wow, I've always felt this way or I'm part of the, you know, the LGBT community. Like, have you had any uh, interaction with all that since you've you know been involved in these new shows? Oh, every show that I do, um, I get a really great reaction. Um, you know, like at the Palladium, uh, the, the show was uh, a free exhibit and it was viewed from the sidewalk behind the, the uh, glass windows in front of the Palladium. And there were people that left me notes and then even scribbled on the glass, um, you know, uh, notes of thankfulness that I was part of the um, exhibit. And yeah, so I get, I get a lot of reaction from all the exhibits that I do. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, even like the history, I love what you post to. Like I, I can remember call one. You know, even the, the new stuff that you're doing, but even the old stuff is super impressive because, you know, even like the Mac tonight sign, if anybody doesn't know, that's like a McDonald's reference to an old logo and a whole like kind of character within McDonald's. You say what you will about McDonald's, but I like that there's this kind of old sign history combined with the new things that you're doing, even kind of the Hollywood stuff that you've got going on. It's really cool. And, you know, it, it brings up an interesting point, which is, you know, sometimes a lot of, I think the lack of interest in neon has not only just not been there, but it's this feeling that, you know, we now have a story like your Instagram, you have a lot of really cool pictures on there um, of just like years and years worth of different types of work that you've done. Um, are you able to go back and combine these different types of artwork or is it stuff that you're still making now commercially that you're excited about like coming up? Well, well, it, it's funny you bring up that uh, Mac tonight um, job. Uh, because the interesting story behind that job was that was, uh, I believe it was mid 80s, 86 or somewhere around there. And we had um, taken on that contract for Mac Tonight. And we designed um, this uh, advertising display. And we really went all out on it and uh, including making um, our own custom glass stands so that you wouldn't see the wires on the neon itself. Um, and during that contract, before it was filled, we were in mid process of it. Our shop actually burned down to the ground. And, um, and if it wasn't for, um, I had helped my father set up a, 
a mobile glass plant. And in fact, when the shop burned down, my dad was um, traveling around the country doing um, sidewalk neon um, demonstrations. He had a mobile plant in his motorhome and he would pull up on the sidewalk and do these demonstrations for the people to see how neon was uh, bent. Mm -hmm. And um, when our shop burned down, he came back to the shop and we set up that mobile plant in the parking lot and started bending Mac tonight's to finish that contract. And in fact, I have a, a letter written from the McDonald's Corporation that um, thanks us, thanked uh, Alert Light Neon for completing this job on time, even though our shop burned down in the middle of this contract. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember growing up in the 80s and being like heavily influenced by TV culture because that's what you did. I mean, not, not necessarily a latchkey kid, but just somebody who gravitated towards, you know, cartoons and Saturday afternoon type stuff. And I remember thinking, you know, that's such an interesting character. I mean, it went away, but what's more important is obviously is like the story. Like there's such a unique time to be able to go back in and finish something like that. And then you're just having them respond is, is, a, is such an interesting point. I mean, it just shows the conviction, right? Like the, the level of commitment towards getting something done. And there's a lot of, you know, all the shops out there that do that type of stuff that go to the extra odds and ends. And, and you know, sometimes you don't get that, you know, payoff where it's like, oh yeah, people know. And they come after you and say, thank you for doing all of that. And not that that's warranted, but yeah, clearly you guys had to rebuild what was helpful after that? Did How did that come together where you had lost the shop and um, was it easy to bounce, bounce back? Uh, it was, it, it was, it was a, it was a difficult year, but we built back and um, not to steal a phrase, but we built back better. Um, we were in a smaller location. And then uh, when the shop burned down, we built back. My grandfather actually came out of retirement at that time and went back to work. And which was really good because I had um, I had been bending for a while and um, my grandfather coming back out of retirement and he was just as stern a teacher then as he was when he first retired. And and so when he came back um, out of retirement and started bending, you know, he would grab even though I was, uh, you know, I was married at that, that time and had kids um, he would grab hold of my hands and tell me what for you know he would he would make my hands do the right thing and he would be real critical of my bending and I think that that really is kind of what made me the bender that I am today or the glass blower that I am today is because of his um, stern teaching um, but yeah we we built back and we went into a larger shop and, um, and we did really good after that. We always did really well. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that, yeah, I mean, even something like that, just having that extra personality in the shop probably really at the time sent kind of some nerves down your spine a little bit, but <laughs> at the same time had like a really profound impact, right. Where you now have that oh, yeah. secondary yeah. sense about how to do neon and you know, and changed it to the, how, you know, the methods that you want to use and how you want to come across. I think, you know, you've learned just so many different ways that, you know, giving a people a glimpse of some of that is like, Oh, have you ever thought about it this way? And again, that's so, so I've, I've, I've seen a lot of different techniques. Um, and, and I've, I mean, we've hired uh, alert light neon, um, through the, through the decades, 
was always um, one of the largest shops here on the West Coast. And, um, you know, we have vendors that had come through our shop. I would, you know, I would say, you know, well, many vendors that have come through our shop with different techniques. Some were okay, better than others. But as far as technique goes, I'm still 100% the way my grandfather taught me. Although I'm open-minded to all different techniques. Um, when it comes to um, <laughs> uh, the, the right technique or the best technique, I, I'm all for the way my grandfather learned. Because he learned in the uh, late 30s um, from a couple of companies in Chicago. One was QRS. Um, which was actually some of the patent holders of neon processing. And then he also worked as an efficiency expert at Federal uh, Neon. And, um, and they were, uh, that was the heyday of neon. And so the way my grandfather was taught and the way he taught us, I believe was the, I would suggest the best way. Mm -hmm. um, but I am open-minded to other techniques. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting. You know, I think anybody listening can, can really kind of <clears throat> hear the story and, and really start to think about what that must have been like. And yeah, I mean, you're also teaching uh, at Lily's workshop too. She has her, obviously, you've been a longtime studio. Are you still doing work there as well? Uh, no, I, I don't really teach at Lily's anymore. I've moved to instructing at uh, the Museum, Museum of Neon Art in Glendale. Okay, um, so I if, if people want to take yeah. the courses and stuff, they how, how can they get in touch with that? Because anybody listening that wants to take a course with you and is nearby, go to the museum, right? Yeah, they could they could look up uh, the the uh, I forgot the address, but it's the yeah. Museum of Neon Art in Glendale, um, okay. and and they'll they can inquire there. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, because I want that to be known. You know, you you're not only making stuff, but you're clearly teaching. So people want to get some. Um, you know, some, some advice or, or just want to see how it's all done. You know, there's, there's varying levels of, of oh, courses and you can Google that. So, and, 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 and people could Google, um, Neo girl neon, um, the name, which is kind of interesting. Um, Neo girl, it was just a play on the word neon when I first, uh, developed this company. And it's funny because, uh, Neo is the Greek word for new and new girl, um, kind of relates to me being trans. And, and uh, what's funny, as of lately, um, Neo Girl has actually become somewhat of a superhero um, as far as, uh, well, we, um, I got a couple of photos and we did a photo shoot of, of Neo Girl. And the last time I went to Mona, I dressed in the Neo Girl costume. So somehow this term neo girl which was just like i said a play on the word neon has turned into uh superhero status yeah, so, yeah I love my, it. my my company is neo girl neon i love that you know definitely it is sort of a, a performance element to it and it gives people uh, like i said i think it's really a, a great way to to get people interested um even if it's like questioning what it's about but you know that's i was going to say any advice to fellow artists in that um, space in the LGBT community or in, you know, coming into that trans uh, part of their life, um, anything that you'd recommend or give advice to that helped you kind of move beyond um, maybe where you were at? I think the, the realization that there's 
there's much more love out there and acceptance than there is hate and rejection. And sometimes um, younger trans or LGBTQ people don't, re they, they see and feel the rejection and they don't realize how much love and acceptance there is. So, you know, when you see that hate and rejection, you just have to look past it. And, and that's, that's the only advice that I would, would give is that there's just so much love and acceptance out there than there is hate. That's an excellent statement. I really thank you for that. Uh, and it hits home for a lot of people. I think anyone listening that could help a lot. So thank you for that. Um, uh, yeah. And then, you know, moving on to uh, just a couple of questions is, is, you know, um, Rosie the Riveter, I love that rotating on. I did want to speak on that just for a minute. You know, she was somebody who, you know, allegorically was like a cultural icon in World War II. How has it been, you know, making those sculptures and things like that? Is it breathing new life into artwork and, um, you know, having that inspiration? And, and you know, is it easy to, uh, you know, come up with ideas, especially nowadays where people feel like everything's been done, but I still see all sorts of new things coming out online. Uh, it, it, it's exciting, that project. Was that easy? Uh, well, that, the, the Rosie the Riveter was an interesting challenge because um, neon is usually viewed, um, it, it, you know, there's a backside of neon. We have double backs and crossovers that are all painted out and you see it from the face. Um, and Rosie the Riveter was on a, a rotating platform. So I had to bend the neon and keeping in mind that it was gonna be viewed at 360 degrees. So that posed a bit of a challenge, including because this, this uh, sculpture stood about six foot tall and so I had to have a metal framework and I also needed that to be somewhat obscure and without, you know, without it taking away from the neon itself, which was a bit challenging and it turned out really well. And it, what was nice about that exhibit is um, there's a, a songwriter um, by the name of Diane Warren and she has a, a studio on in Hollywood and this this uh, sculpture that I did of Rosie the Riveter is now in a room by itself on the top floor of her recording studio in Hollywood which I'm just so I'm so proud of that <laughs> it's a really cool piece and I just really love neon that takes a little extra step in in gets it gets its point across other than like you said just a traditional wall um and that's why i want to touch on it because i felt like you know people that haven't seen sculpt from neon um could definitely we'll put a link in the show notes but neo girl neon on instagram can see all this work um you post regularly so if anyone wants to take that take a look at that i highly recommend um you know if you're into sculpture and neon to to connect with that because it's got a lot of um just powerful message but it's it's well really well done so that's off to well, that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, through, yeah, kind of through the pandemic, like connecting with people, um, you know, are you able to uh, reach out to others online too and, and people that are like-minded and have other ideas with Neon? Is, has it been able to connect you with a lot of people you weren't otherwise aware of or, or you know, helped you? The, the, strange, the strange thing about the pandemic, um, these last two years have been well, my, you know, my work is progressively getting busier and busier all the time, but these last two years have been just really crazy busy. 
Um, and a lot of that is from other artists. I like to think of myself as the artist to the artists because a lot of my work comes from other designers and artists. Um, and a lot of these artists came out of the woodwork because you always have those projects in the back room and in the garage that you wanted to get around to. Well, the pandemic, because a lot of businesses were closed down at that time, um, that encouraged people to get those projects that they had setting around and they procrastinated doing. And then they all of a sudden jump to life and want to get those projects done because they're sitting at home all the time. So I've been tra traveling around during the pandemic, picking up patterns and delivering neon to these people that are doing those projects. That's a cool story too. And having it be uh, like you said, like these transitionary periods where people feel like they can't get anything done, but then there's all this stuff that wasn't done. And so it's neat to see a lot of projects that wouldn't otherwise happen or shows, you know, people doing all these shows with neon now that I wouldn't regularly see as much, I feel. Um, but yes. then you have a whole plethora of people getting in and, and just wanting to, you know, try their hand or just finish things that they've always wanted to do with other artists. And so I, I think it's great, you know, that you've been able to um, get in touch with other neon artists that want to include you or your work. And uh, it's just great. It's a really good time, I think, especially when you look at it. I mean, obviously there's challenges with what's happening in the world, but um, but yeah, just the, the, the utter resistance for artists to want to go out there and, and speak their mind about certain subjects and then having it be um, like a collective. I think it really helps. You know? I think so too. Yes, you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, anything coming up, I think, you know, in terms of your output or things you want to let people know before um, kind of wrap up? I, I have a lot coming up this year. I, I, I'm just going crazy with all the um, obligations that I have this year. Um, some I could talk about. Um, there's a documentary that's being filmed uh, about on my life. Um, and it's midway, so it hasn't been processed yet. Uh, it hasn't been completed yet. Mm -hmm. um, and there is, I, there's a lot of projects that I'm in the middle of doing and you'll see them on my Instagram and TikTok um, when they come to fruition. That's great. Yeah. How come I was going to say anybody that can support your work can go online and see all about it. So absolutely. You, yeah. I'll put, uh, we'll have the links in there. Um, and Roxy, just really appreciate your time and commitment towards Neon. I mean, there's so many lessons in this show, but I know that it's going to help a lot of people. And I just want to say um, thank you for, for coming. It's really my pleasure. And I, I really appreciate what you do, Max. This is, you know, it's when I, when I think about the Neon industry, I, in my opinion, the only thing that's keeping this alive are people like you and the younger generation that uh, that wants to learn and the artists that are using neon in their artwork that's what's really keeping this neon industry alive and i am just grateful to all those people well we have a lot to learn from and people that have done amazing things with it so we're going to continue the tradition and uh and just all the work that you put together is, is really quite amazing and um yeah and just the, the lessons that we've learned today are just incredible so yeah, looking forward to, to more. So thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. Love y'all. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening.